I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. On May 16th, the Texas Association of Business, in collaboration with the RGV Partnership, held a Rio Grande Valley Business Summit. Here's some highlights. Enbridge Business Development Director Kurt Knight Turkan spoke about the energy industry in South Texas. I have actually been working uh, this area uh, for Enbridge uh, and predecessor companies for about the last 10 years. So I've been working with the port and uh, friends in the, in the Rio Grande Valley for, for some time. So I'm not a, not a newcomer to here. Uh, all that to say, I do want to thank um, uh, the RGV Partnership, Texas Association of Business, the uh, governor's office, and especially our friends at the port and Eddie for, for the invitation to speak today. So just quickly about Enbridge, uh, as I mentioned, we are an energy infrastructure company, about $180 billion of enterprise value uh, across our assets. As it pertains to South Texas, our assets are pretty significant. We've got the Texas Eastern Pipeline System, which starts uh, at the border with Reynosa and moves uh, gas supply all the way up into uh, the area of New York City significant asset. Uh, we've also got our Valley Crossing Pipeline, uh, which serves the area of the port as well. From a gas transmission perspective, we've got about 26,000 miles of large inch long haul pipeline systems across the U.S. and Canada, so very significant. Um, you know, we really do, um, you know, play a large part in meeting the energy needs of North America and the human needs of, of North America. And as you'll, as you'll hear, as David kind of spoke about, we're going to make that a big part of also meeting the energy needs of other parts of the world. Just want to touch on our um, ESG uh, aspirations and, and targets. Like many companies, uh, we are focused on reducing our carbon intensity. And what that means for us is um, to have achieve uh, net neutral, which means that for us, 35% reduction in carbon intensity by 2030, and also by 2050, a net, a net zero uh, carbon intensity target. We're achieving this through a combination of a bunch of activities, including uh, through fleet modernization. So if you think about all of our, our, our assets, obviously there are a lot of um, relatively older compressors. We're changing out the drivers on those to be cleaner burning or electric motor drives. Also, uh, we have a, um, a substantial plan for uh, implementing renewable behind the meter self-power self supply. So where we have electric motor drives, also powering those either for with solar or, or potentially wind power. So this this kind of dovetails off of what David was speaking about. Um, the, the war the war in uh, Ukraine has definitely um, changed the the focus to be back on energy and put the spotlight on on gas. So there's obviously a couple factors here. Um, the war is, is is focused a lot on the the, the needs of Europe, but even as importantly. Uh, natural gas will play a, a large role in uh, the overall reduction of carbon intensity across the world. So if you think about many parts of the world um, use uh, heavy fuel oil, diesel, or coal generation, the uh, propensity of natural gas in the, in the U.S. and Canada will help to benefit those, those countries to bring not only their energy costs down, but also make them cleaner burning. On top of that, um, the natural gas from the U.S. and Canada actually is some of the cleanest and the, the best ESG scores uh, of all the countries and the, the top 10 countries uh, in the world. So US and Canada have the, the best ESG scores relative to the top, top 10 energy producers in the world. Um, the other thing that, to be aware of is that because of the um, objective 
market-based uh, supply that we have in the U.S. and, and Canada, the, uh, the supply from, from um, North America will be viewed as the supplier of choice for natural gas. So as Europe transitions away from Russian supply by uh, natural gas supply by 2027, it is forecast that the amount of LNG required from the U.S. Gulf Coast will increase from about, by about two and a half times today's, today's load, which, which goes towards uh, some of David's, David's points earlier. Enbridge is already supplying um, many of these LNG, the current LNG developments. We have commercial uh, agreements to also supply Texas LNG with our Valley Crossing pipe, and we have commercial agreements to supply next decade um, through our Rio Bravo pipe to feed, feed Rio Grande. And so um, that's, that's already in the bank for us, but uh, we're, we, as, as David mentioned, we also see a lot of need for more infrastructure going forward to continue to feed this, not only to increase the supply of natural gas in, in the U.S., but also to increase the amount of infrastructure that's required. So I want to talk about a couple of different um, items that we're seeing as a result of increases of natural gas uh, usage. So some of the changes that have occurred in uh, natural gas, um, the natural gas market in the U.S., kind of three factors. One is the propensity of renewables. So in Texas, we've got about 35,000 megawatts of wind, uh, wind generation, about 9,000 megawatts of solar generation, and they're, they're wonderful resources. Um, if you think about our market being between 55 and 72,000 megawatts of load on any given day, what the graph in the top top right is showing you is the, the top line is the, is the demand through the course of the day. And then the two bottom lines are the, the golden rod is, is solar, and then the, the dark line, the one that dips kind of through the course of the day is the wind. This is a, this is a spotlight on a certain day, but the point here is to, to have renewables, you also have to have natural gas supporting that. As on any given day, if renewables fall off, we, we, we want to make sure that we have our air conditioning, we have our lights, our human needs requirements. And the way to do that is quick response natural gas um, fired um, generation. And it's the kind of thing that can't just be sitting there um, without natural gas available. So what we're seeing is that, and, and the gas pipelines commercially operate on a, a 124th rateable basis, meaning that they're designed to continually flow at a certain rate through the course of the day and provide that gas through the course of the day. Well, that's not what the market is calling for. And the market's calling for quick response, and so that lends itself to the requirements for, for more natural gas storage um, in the state. Similarly, if you think about what occurred during Winterstorm Uri, you know, just with the confluence of the amount of natural gas fired generation, but also the renewables, um, natural gas storage really was very supportive in helping avert even, even worst case scenarios. And so our storage assets uh, were able to respond by withdrawing um, for about eight days straight, about two BCF a day of, um, of, of supply that wouldn't have otherwise been in the market. And in our peak days during the storm, we withdrew about 2.5 BCF a day, I think for four or five of those days. So just to put that in perspective in the supply, overall supply in Texas, we make about 24 to 25 BCF a day. So during the storm, we were able to supplement the losses uh, directly with storage capabilities. And so all that to say is because of, because of the changes in the market, um, there's just a need for more natural gas storage. Further, if you think about LNG um, terminals, you know, David talked about these large processing trains. Well, they take a large chunk of gas. The large trains take large chunks of gas. 
Um, and they can be anywhere from 0.8 to 0.9 BCF a day of supply. When there are upsets at those facilities, that gas has to be, that gets shut in at the facility, gets backed into the market. You need to be able to inject that back into storage quickly um, so that it can be withdrawn at a later date. And finally, just the Mexico market. The Mexico market um, in about the last eight years has gone from about one BCF a day of total load to about uh, seven BCF a day or six and a half BCF a day of imports from Texas. And what that means, what's going on, what's been going on in Mexico is they've been transitioning once again from heavy fuel oil, uh, diesel generation to cleaner burning natural gas. So their reliance on, on Texas for natural gas supply has increased a lot. They don't have any in-country storage. And so when they have upsets, um, either facilities going off from gas, uh, sorry, gas uh, generation, um, or other, other loads, that gets backed into Texas. And so this is definitely an area where, where Enbridge sees future um, possibility and future opportunities uh, for more infrastructure development. I'll, I'll talk now about our investments in South Texas. We built the Valley Crossing Pipeline uh, system and we placed that in service in 2018. It's a $1.6 billion pipeline system from the area just west of Corpus Christi, where we interconnect with 10 uh, other pipeline systems to bring natural gas supply uh, down um, through the Port of Brownsville. Uh, it's a 48-inch pipeline with, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're a pipeline geek like I am, but it's so big you can skateboard inside of it. Um, and, and it's just, it's so substantial, such a substantial piece of infrastructure. And the, the, main, the main purpose of that pipeline was to take gas to Mexico, to the power plants there. But the real point here is that our routing, we decided to build right through the Port of Brownsville. So we brought a major piece of infrastructure into the Port of Brownsville. Uh, as we understood at the time of, of our bid was that the, the Port of Brownsville did not have this kind of infrastructure existing. And so we've been able to bring large gas supply in through the port, uh, which obviously we've parlayed into uh, uh, arrangements with uh, Texas LNG. We'll feed their, their LNG terminal when, it's, uh, when it makes its FID. But if you think about the port and some of the key pieces of infrastructure you need to have, obviously port needs roads, it needs rail, which Port of Brownsville has. It needs power, which Port of Brownsville has. But natural gas supply is yet another one of those um, major pieces of infrastructure. And so as, as the port develops future uh, opportunities, um, we have the natural gas supply and we can expand Valley Crossing to feed that, to feed that need um, for other future industrial uh, loads, which in itself begets uh, more investment and more jobs in the area, in the local area. Of course, the other major piece of infrastructure that we um, have acquired and will build is our Rio Bravo pipeline. So this will be similar to Valley Crossing. Rio Bravo will uh, bring natural gas from the area around Kleber County, um, and it will feed uh, next decade's Rio Grande uh, terminal when they make their final investment decision. So at that point in time, we will build Rio Bravo, and it will be the first phase. There's multiple phases to it. Eventually, it will be built up to 4.5 BCF a day. The original phase will be a project of at least a billion dollars um, and significant construction. And at that time, we'll, you know, similar to Valley Crossing when we had 3,500 people in, employed on the, on the construction, uh, we, would, we would expect construction will be similar to that. So I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Um, you know, our times right now are very challenging, um, but 
the opportunities that we have, especially in the, in the Rio Grande Valley and especially in the area around the Port of Brownsville are very exciting and uh, Enbridge looks very much uh, forward to being able to invest in the local area and work with our partners in the local area. That was Enbridge Business Development Director Kurt Knight-Turkan. The Texas Association of Business held the Rio Grande Valley Business Summit in conjunction with the RGV Partnership at the McAllen Convention Center. I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service.